The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen um, And so then you've got uh, album rankings at the end. Did you get my email on time? Did uh, I see that you? Um, no, I didn't see that. But uh, are you talking about just all their studio albums? I can kind of write that as we go. If <laughs> I think I'd probably do that. Sort of. <laughs> It'll change tomorrow, but oh no, yeah, that's I can tell you man. I didn't. Oh crap! I'm sorry, man. I thought I, You're all right. Maybe it was somebody else. Ah oh, crap! It's talking to too many people at the same time. But you wanted me to do the album ranking too, like my favorite top. No, to yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just no uh, bottom to top. Oh, just kind of you know, your least favorite to your favorite. Just at the end, you know, kind of okay. like how I asked you in the beginning, like what Pearl Jam means to you. Yeah, right. Yeah, just kind of okay. just the new sort of different ending things that I ask different people all right crap i'm sorry cool. man no you're all right um <laughs> i can <laughs> yeah, yeah edit this part out will you <laughs> no 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 yeah don't, don't have us fumbling around here <laughs> okay like, but i will uh i will pull them up uh right now here on my phone and then i can probably i can i can wing that it'll yeah, be fine not too, it's, not <laughs> it's not too, too tough uh, oh crap i can't even labor intensive it's not like agony it's not like oh oh but is this really number two right, or right. number three and oh i mean because there's a if i look at it you know the transitions from this song to this song right. oh man i can't uh, make up my mind it is a it's a tough one now you know um they all have their own qualities for different reasons that's for sure let's see your pearl jam studio albums let's pull that up got it all now is that oh, enough yeah, time? <laughs> <laughs> well man we can get talking and i can i can uh <laughs> I'll, uh, through it. <laughs> yeah i'll yeah i'll bullshit my way through it yeah <laughs> welcome to season eight episode eight of the better band podcast an all-encompassing trip through every song in the pearl jam catalog i am your host brandon paloma Each episode, I go track by track with the guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the song Dead Man from Lost Dogs and the B-side for Off It Goes uh, with guest ryan blackwell hello ryan hey brandon how you doing buddy i'm doing well how about you good i'm doing really good thank you oh good right on we're here to talk about this song that ed wrote uh for the dead man walking soundtrack his uh first uh soundtrack from a sean penn film he did uh he originally wrote the song to uh go on there with uh the soundtrack and called up sean penn said hey i have a song called dead man walking for you and he said oh well uh Bruce Springsteen actually has a song called Dead Man Walking that he wants me to use. So, uh, yeah, do you have an, uh, do you have anything else? And, uh, so, okay, here's Long Road. 
So Long Road was on that soundtrack, wasn't it? I'd forgotten that. Yeah, yeah, Long Road. Um, he did with uh, Nusrat Fayyad Ali Khan, and then um, right. he was uh, background vocals on Face of Love from that soundtrack. That uh, that's right. Wrote. I knew the backstory of um, uh, Bruce Springsteen kind of pulled some rank at that time, um, mm-hmm. which you know uh, gave Eddie a good reason to redeem himself on the End uh, of the Wild soundtrack. I guess. Yeah, um, just said, oh well. Guess what? I'm going to do the whole thing, so you can't say no to any. Yeah, right. Songs. Watch this. I can. Yeah, I can do all the instruments um, and uh, everything. But yeah, that was. Uh, it's kind of a funny story. It's 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 very uh, Eddie Vedder that you know he just kind of calls up Sean. He's like, "Hey, I got this thing," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, it, it definitely uh, a great song that Bruce Springsteen did for it too. But um, it's funny how big the the music circle is but how small it gets you know you always hear about eddie talking about bruce and bruce talks about ed you can tell they have a lot of respect for each other mm-hmm. so it's none of, none of that ego stuff it's just all great your song's great do it whatever and you know you never hear anybody i've never heard any stories about any of them arguing or being upset with each other about that they really you know they're they're almost like a team all of mm-hmm. them and pull for each other which is really cool yeah, I think, well, that's sort of the, uh, you know, how the Seattle scene was back then, too, right. like when they first started up. So it was kind of, I think, just ingrained in them to sort of be like, oh, you know, we're in the music community. So let's all have our songs, different songs yeah, heard by different people. That stuff. was cool. I mean, just seeing those early days where, you know, you'd see Pearl Jam playing the show and wearing Soundgarden shirts and mm-hmm. vice versa and Alice in Chains and all of them. And, you know, they weren't standing there at each other's shows thinking, I bet I could go over there and unplug that guy's yeah, yeah. amplifier, <laughs> you know, and try to and try to you know wreck their show. They were they were rooting for each other, and um, definitely a, a camaraderie there that probably helped them all um, succeed and not go the other way. I think. Yeah, I think it was when they started uh, meeting the Ramones and stuff like that. I think uh, they were kind of in, enamored by that yeah. too. It's like, wow, you guys are aren't trying to sabotage each other and stuff like we were back in new york right yeah yeah that's that's funny you said that because that's kind of the yeah that was my thought they used to always talk about how they would they'd spill a beer on the soundboard to screw the other guy up you know just uh so everybody would make themselves sound better but i think those seattle bands at that time i think they all knew that each other was good and they encouraged each other and that Mm -hmm. made them all better um they they, even though they thought the other guy was good or even better it still pushed them to the next level and it really shows through their music you know from the late 80s to um early to mid 90s time how how much they could get better as musicians and Mm -hmm. um maybe in a sense kind of trying to one-up each other which pushed them to different levels it's it's it was really a cool time uh let's see the song uh like i said was the b-side for the off you go single which came out uh fall august-ish of 96 i've okay. seen like august 27th i think that uh, sounds somewhere right somewhere online um he performs the song on the record with uh jack irons and jeff yeah so it's in so now it's sort of become a a uh, no code b-side uh thought along with that stuff i think they were in uh new orleans in the uh that part of the no okay. code recording when they uh put the song together yeah and that's another thing too it's like okay cool nobody knows uh when when pearl jam first started you know nobody really exactly knows who this ed guy is but he knows jack irons uh-huh. <laughs> you know i mean the drummer from the chili peppers i mean that you know it was really a big deal to them so 
I think just Jack having that appreciation for Ed and kind of putting that whole thing together. Sometimes when you hear a really good musician say, hey, this guy's really good, you listen a little closer than just, I saw this guy playing at a bar and he was really good, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it definitely had that no code feel to it and was a different kind of song for them or for Ed. I don't Mm -hmm. know if if you think the same, but it almost... I can't, you know, I, I've, I've probably seen it played live more than I've even just heard the, the um, or not seen it, but, you know, video or whatever of Ed playing mm-hmm. it by himself, you know, and doesn't have Jeff or Jack playing with him. And just the way he plays that song has such a rhythmic feel. It's like a mm-hmm. constant up down strummed where it's almost like he's hitting on a drum, you know, instead of playing a guitar. And I hadn't heard Ed do anything like that before. I mean, he usually has that real pretty guitar touch, you know, where he's kind of just strumming through the strings and everything. And this one had a a darker, more rhythmic feel to it. And I remember just hearing it going, man, that's that's really impressive. And that's something different for, for Ed, for sure. Yeah, it's in a it's in a detuning. So right. he likes to play around with the D chord, sort of you know, like on, yeah. on Long Road and you know other stuff. He's just kind of playing around on it. So I think this is kind of a a continuation, I guess, of that right. sort of just kind of droning on the dropped E string, and so you kind of get that lowness. Yep, going through the whole thing. Yeah, you get you get that darker sound. I mean, Soundgarden, Bad Motorfinger. My gosh, yeah. I think every song on there was a drop D tuning, and it gave it that little more dark sound and um then it also kind of allows you to play i'm going to be kind of nerdy here but play those top three strings together as kind of a rhythm and it creates that d that low d chord sound and then you can be doing other things playing over the top of that but yeah it's a it's a it's it's a rhythmic i think it I don't know, Ed had played some guitar on, you know, Emmy played on like Rearview Mirror and some of those songs and things, but I just never heard him do anything like that before. And I just remember thinking, he's kind of taking it to the next level here and mm-hmm. he's getting more comfortable with his playing, you know, and even though he's already got two great guitar players in the band, you know, he's still got his his place and his his feel that he can add to those other two guitars without it just being overkill. <laughs> and he does that well. Yeah, the um the first time uh it was played, uh, Ed busted it out preset at a show November fourth, nineteen ninety five. Then it was actually played for the first time inside a Pearl Jam set, you know, on the set list and everything like that on uh, March 9th, nineteen ninety eight in uh, in Australia in Sydney. Okay, so we have that to look forward to. But before that, I think what uh, one thing that might be different. 
about this show compared to all the other ones in Australia is we're, we're going to try this next song, which was a B-side off of Off He Goes, it was called Dead Man, and uh, it's just a little quiet number that I don't think we've ever done before, so if we can have your attention to play a little song here. Was the uh, precept one? There's a video on YouTube of him like wearing the green jacket, and no, you know what? I think that would have been a little later. Like, uh, was it? Uh, was it right after he? Uh, I remember him wearing the hat. I, I called it kind of the Indiana Jones looking hat, where he was wearing that for a while. And... Yeah, I think the most most times that they play it, uh, it's just Ed before the uh, before the opening band. And that's cool, too, because that's Ed saying, get your butt in your seat, watch these guys play that mm -hmm. are playing before us. You know, I mean, I remember being at so many concerts over the years where I had no interest in seeing an opening band, didn't even give them a chance, you know, just uh, hung out in the back or whatever. And as as I've gotten older and been to more shows and 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 seen Ed do that a couple of times where he comes out or he'll play something with an opening band or, or whatever that, you know, kind of changed my mind about it. And um it's cool that Pearl Jam's not going, I hope this opening band doesn't blow us off the stage or, mm -hmm. or better than us or, you know, anything like that. They're like, man, these guys are with us for a reason. Watch them, you know, and mm -hmm. he, he draws them, to, you know, they, it's, it's that continued feeling of encouraging those new bands, you know, even 10, 15, 20, 30 years later, you know, they're still doing it. Yeah. When, uh, when I was in bands and playing in town and stuff like that, uh, we always tried to get, to open for uh other you know bigger bands than us you know bands that you know had actual fans and people who listen to them yeah so we're, we we're like yeah you know nobody <laughs> yeah it's like nobody knows who we are and you know All we right. want people to, to hear us and stuff so and then we yeah. you know we play with them and they said okay cool can we play first so that when we're gone when we're done we can leave and you know it's like oh geez come on and it's like well you guys have a whole lot of songs so you guys can play more than us it's like oh crap. yeah I, <laughs> we have, I've played it at the doorman a few times. <laughs> you having a good time? Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> the bartender. <laughs> yeah. So everybody always wanted to play first so they could be yeah. gone by, you know, nine o'clock or whatever. And it's kind of like, ah, okay. we, uh, we'll just play to our friends. Right. Right. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, uh, the, the bands that I played in that I felt like were pretty good bands that people would come see. Um, we, we always, even if we had the opportunity to play second or third, a lot of times we'd say, can we play first or second? Uh, one, because our friends didn't want to go out and see a show at 11 o'clock anymore or 12 o'clock. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I want to that much anymore either. But, um, you know, if you can fish off the other fans a little bit, I think that's yeah, yeah. always good. And then even better when you know that you're opening for a really good band and you get done and that band comes up to you and goes, you guys are really good. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, something really big about that that you know i mean it makes you you know you're just sitting there almost when you're done almost terrified that you're not going to look as good as the other guys and when the other band tells you how good you are and you can tell they're sincere about it it's you know whether it's 30 people watching or 200 people watching or 500 it, it's it's always encouraging to hear that and i i just that always sticks in my head i've had a few people that i just thought were incredible tell me they thought i was good and i thought my gosh okay that's pretty humbling to hear that from 
you know, somebody who's been a headline kind of band either here in town or, mm-hmm. or somebody who's traveled in from, you know, we, we get bands since we're in Kansas City from Chicago and, you know, some from Colorado and we're a good spot in the Midwest to hit. And um, even people from Texas that come up and, and play at some of the venues here um, just got to meet so many good people. And I've always been lucky to have those encouraging kind of people around me. And um, like I said, we're talking 20 to 50 people, sometimes 100 maybe. But I couldn't imagine being one of those bands that opens for Pearl Jam that's got, you know, 25, 30,000 people there and mm-hmm. they walk in and say, hey, good job, fellas. You know, I mean, that's got to be pretty freaking cool. <laughs> so, um, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Plus, to the fact that they want you in the first place. Right. Right. Too, that they, you know, ask you as like, oh, you know, they don't really put other people on the bill just for popularity's sake or anything like that. They they want to play with you because they like you and they want to listen to you for free. Yeah, and I always, <laughs> well, I guess the yeah, they do. I always wonder. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they get a little bit. <laughs> they get to eat the snacks off the green room uh, tray. <laughs> but uh, um, I I don't know. I mean, I know like. Pearl Jam always goes back to the Chili Peppers invited us mm-hmm. out on tour, you know, and that was a huge, I mean, like if that didn't happen, maybe none of this would have happened, you know, you never know. But I, I just wondered as much as the corporate world has taken over the last 20 years, if they even have much say in that anymore, or if it's mm-hmm. just, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how much that is Pearl Jam saying, hey, we really want to tour with these guys. Or if they say, here's four bands, which one do you want? You know, I don't know. But hard to say it's definitely a different different thing now than it was 30 years ago um yeah so this song um and he wrote it for dead man walking which is the story of a man on death row and so he kind of wrote it from that point of view uh do you think it sort of harkens back then to uh footsteps a little bit you think they kind of tread the same ground i do i do i can't i yes uh that's I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, Footsteps has that that real powerful lyrical line. If you, I mean, if you really listen to it and you kind of hear Ed's explanation of what the song's about, it's uh, for such a pretty song. It's a pretty dark song in some ways, you know. And yeah, just um, the lyrically, I think it does sound kind of like a continuation of that just the the subject matter. And of course, anybody who's seen that movie. It's intense, man. I mean, it's really, you know, you sort of think it's maybe going this way and then it turns back this way. And in the end, it's just the end and that's it. And it's it's sad and it just shows that how quick, you know, one day of your life making some 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 terrible decisions can can change your life or even end your life. And um, I think Eddie kind of nails the feeling of the guy sitting there having to contemplate all this and think about it. and realize that he's made just terrible mistakes and and again it wasn't a whole series of things it wasn't like the guy was a serial killer they had one crazy night where things got out of control and you know you can't you can't reverse time and fix that so he had to face the 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 person in the story had to face um what was coming to him and unfortunately that was the death penalty you know and hope i didn't ruin that for anybody who hadn't seen the movie but i think anybody <laughs> i think most people have it's a seen 20 it. year old um, a 20 plus yeah. year old movie. <laughs> i don't want to tell you what happens at the end of rocky either but <laughs> 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 yeah yeah um but it's it's 
I don't know, just pretty, pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I'm sitting here reading it now and, you know, sailing on my every step, inching off the earth is magnified by the things I've done, the thing that I've become. And, you know, it's kind of, to me, it's like, you realize how quick living free and being able to go wherever you want and maybe even taking that for granted can turn on you when, when you make a, a, a terrible mistake or, you know, I guess if, in this case, if you murder someone, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't anything, wasn't anything the guy set out to do that night. It just happened and right or wrong, you have to pay the consequences. Um, that feeling of just no hope and just knowing that this is it. And I, I caused this and I caused so much heartache and for the person's family that was involved and everything else, I mean, that's just got to be the most sunk feeling and just the, the, the music in the song before you even put the lyrics in it already have that. It has that kind of low, quiet, dark feeling. And then you put Ed's lyrics on top of it and it just, it's really good. Explains it very well. I think this is probably around the time that um he sort of got interested in the west memphis three case as well right which uh damian eccles uh who would go on to write some of the lyrics for uh, army reserve uh was the one of the three i believe that was on death row okay the rest were just life sentences i think wow pretty pretty wild and um yeah that's a that's a that's a whole different conversation and story in itself but definitely I don't know, and maybe you know, um, as much knowledge as I have did, did uh, I mean, did Ed do, I, I know he talked, I, I believe he went and talked to those guys, and I just wonder if he did some actual talking with any other people to help him get a feel for the song or anything like that. Do you know any more than the West Memphis Three or just simply Sean Penn asking him to do a song? Um, I, I, I don't know about beforehand. I think that... Um... I know that they've done a number of uh, concerts and benefit uh, for them to try to get their cases overturned and everything like that. Right. And there was a, a movie, I think, uh, what was it? Paradise Lost that came out uh, that sort of started the uh, movement for them. Check that out. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if it was, if there was any inspiration from that or, or just solely from the movie. I mean, I think that the movie too kind of uh, tries to sort of um, thread the needle of, you know, it's, you know, why don't we just lock these people away? Killing them isn't going to bring anybody back. It's right. You know? Yes. And, you know, and what happens if, you know, you get the wrong person and, you know, I mean, you're going to put that person, you know, person who lost somebody through everything all over again. It's like, oh, hey, right. guess what? You know how you lost someone senselessly? Well, we killed someone senselessly because the person who did it is, uh, you know, this guy over here. Yeah, it's such a such a hard subject, and I know I have you know friends and and family who both um, would have complete different opinions about that, you know. And I don't know; it's hard to say until you're in that situation, and you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I, you know, I've got a sister. If somebody murdered my sister, how you know what what would be my 
justification in my mind, you know, would it be, well, that guy needs to die too, or, or, you know, that's too easy to lock him up. Yeah. It's like, I want to do it or, yeah, you know, right. kind of, <laughs> yeah, or, you know, should I try to get revenge yeah, yeah, or, have, I, yeah. you know, go through the proper channels I'm, I'm shocked, or whatever. You know, and I guess a lot of these people, once they're, they're caught or whatever, they're locked up and it'd be really tough to get to them. I mean, you see some of these courtroom cases where, you know, a kid's dad goes after somebody and like jumps over the table to get a guy, you know, mm. and I'm not so sure that that wouldn't be me, you know. Um, but I don't know. It's a it, it's a it's a tough subject, you know, and then you and then you've got, you know, you watch these these prison shows. These guys are on death row yeah, for yeah. years and they're like, you know, it costs sixty thousand dollars a year to keep this guy on death row, you know, and they almost make you they try to make you almost feel guilty that the government's spending the money to keep him there. So, you know, so why don't we empty that cell and put somebody else in there and get rid of this guy, you know, or gal or whoever it is. And I don't know, man. It's a it's a it's a it's a tough subject. It really is. And but you're right. What you know they've screwed it up more many more times than you and I will ever know about. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not they don't want to admit that. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what good art does. It makes you think about the things. And yeah, you try to put yourself in other people's shoes and in different situations. And right, you know, how would you react? How how does this person react? And what do they learn from it? And right. is there anything that you can learn from it too, or just escape from everything? Right. And I mean, I'm just looking at this. You know, the lyrics printed out here. I almost thought one of the pages didn't print out, and I re- I just realized how few there's mm-hmm. there's basically three three verses and one little bridge you know the little bridge part where it says the hammer that i once brought down now hovers over me cast a shadow across onto me it's like i really you know with the rest of the other three verses in the song even though they're short pretty simple verses that line there it's powerful man i mean Mm -hmm. that's that's like wow i mean that's just that's just saying it you know i I'm going to get what I gave here. And, you know, I brought down the hammer. So now it's coming my way. amazes me how you know people talk about you know and ed's a great example of how incredible his lyrics are but sometimes just reading them it's really pretty simple but he can hit the nerve that he needs to hit to draw you in and be able to visualize a story you know and see it see it in your your head almost like a movie as it's going and this one definitely definitely gets that I think my last note that I have is uh, that everybody always claps before the very end. He'll kind of do his stop. People start clapping, and it's like, no, I'm not done here. The dun, 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 dun. Yeah, there's a, uh, I think, in any music, and in, in whether it's been even people I've played with or, you know, I, I love any of that music that's like that stop-go stuff, you know, whether it's, it's a big bang coming out, like, you know, I mean, 
Rage Against the Machine, they're the kings of it. I always said uh-huh. those guys can get you leaning forward and then just come barreling back in, you know, and 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 catch it. And Pearl Jam does that too. Yeah, I think the stop might be kind of like the end of the story. It's it's over. Oh, uh, it's like once once the switch is thrown, and the last bit is uh, soul leaving his body. Oh, right. yeah, <laughs> and a real pretty little guitar thing to to take it on out, I guess. There, but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. good call. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, one of the songs that always kind of gets me like that is is uh, on the MTV Unplug when uh, Allison Chains did Over Now. They kind of had like three parts where it kind of stops. People start clapping and then, nope, we have a little more, but more. Uh, that kind of stops. People start clapping again. It's like, nope, we got one more. Right. And it's kind of like, oh, wait, they stop now. Now do we start clapping? Is this when this is the song really over now? Yeah. Uh-huh, I get it. Right. <laughs> is the song really over? Right. Uh, oh, what's the uh, another one that I've picked up on and it's gotten, I'll say stronger and stronger is Insignificance. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know that. Da, 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 and uh, they kind of pause it. And there, it's it's a lot longer pause than it is on the album. You know, they kind of yeah, yeah. wait to hear the crowd cheer. And then you hear Matt hit that hi-hat and boom, they're just right back into it. And uh, I think anything you can uh, you can get people, I always call it leaning forward on. You know, like, eh, they can do something here. You know, I, I think yeah, that yeah. adds an extra level to the the musical part of, uh, of everything. And then in the uh, in the liner notes for the song, he says that uh, who is it? Stone, Stone saying, uh, I think it's some of my favorite Ed lyrics of all time. Although at the time, I think I thought that some seriousness, not a lot, but some that just say "dead man walking around" <laughs> because the last syllable fall across the beat. Around, <laughs> Maybe one yeah, of my worst yeah. ideas uh-huh. ever. <laughs> right, right. It would have been weird. Um, and I remember reading that in the was that in the Lost Dog liner notes that. Um, yeah yeah okay yeah i uh i do remember reading that and thinking yeah that would have been weird you kind of start just hearing it in your head after you read that it's kind of eh, around yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah around yeah um that's funny too i mean you just love to be on a, a fly on the wall on some of those conversations you know mm-hmm. uh hear the conversations about how somebody thinks something's not going to work and it does and i think ultimately probably anything after vitology on it was probably ed's word was the final word or or close to that but you know you wonder how many times it, it ruffled the other band the people in the band's feathers when they just knew that they were right on something you know and then it didn't happen and now they got to listen to that recording but then after they play it live a few times and hear the whole crowd singing it i'm sure they go all right all right <laughs> yeah, yeah you're right on that one <laughs> 
Ed's the fixer. <laughs> so he wins. <laughs> but now it's uh that's something that I wish that we would see more of. You know, we've seen a couple live concert DVDs, you know, from the show box, the small ones to the the garden big shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice last night, it looked like they had some uh, very professional cameras in the crowd during the See Here Now thing. And I'm wondering if they're going to. Yep, yep. It's like, it was, was that just for the cameras up know. there? Or, you know, it always yeah. makes you, yeah, it always makes you wonder. Thing, like, you know. Well, they, Christmas is coming up, yeah. you know, well, and maybe you know. maybe it's that, and then they're gonna sing a couple other shows in there and make another kind of a. It'd be great to see some kind of a live, a live DVD again or or something. Maybe like a making of Gigaton or something like that. Yeah, you know, is, it, I would like get sort of the story of of COVID nineteen and stuff like that in there too. Oh, that would be freaking great. I mean, um, just yeah, the last couple of years, how crazy it's been. Um, get some react you know um without getting too spinal tappy you know get some reactions from the <laughs> band on uh you know when they found out they weren't going to tour and and some of mm-hmm. that but having to make the calls and about canceling yeah i mean i think back to like uh i know i bring up the rolling stones a lot i'm a big stones fan but um was it gimme shelter the live at altamont concert and they mm-hmm. talking to the guys a lot about all the the craziness and everything and i always thought man you know especially at a time where there was no youtube or internet or anything like that that really brought you into the room with the band you know and you could kind of see their true their, their true feelings about things and i mean they were kind of a, a wreck at that time but mm-hmm. um but it's always interesting to see them off of a stage setting and and, and hear them you know, just talking, even arguing about some of the songs, how they should go. I mean, Keith, Keith and Mick, they're hilarious, man. I mean, they, they'd get going and, you know, you thought they were going to be throwing punches before long, but they, they always got through it and they made great music together, but I'd love to see some more. Yeah. Making of album kind of documentaries of Pearl Jam and, and, and maybe they don't want that, you know, maybe having that peel people in the room are going to make them put on too much of a show and not mm-hmm. be genuine enough or something like that. But I would like to see that more you know, or see something like that in the future. Maybe they're going to do another album the next year. Um, There was some talk about it. You know, it's like, you know, Gigaton, they probably lost their butt. I mean, they were supposed to tour with that album. And you know, as well as I do that, unless you're touring, you're not making money on music anymore. I mean, people who go, you know, they fought Ticketmaster and they got tickets down to $25. And now look at them, they're charging 250. It's because (laughs) people are just watching your music for free on YouTube, you know, and they're not making the money they did on albums back then. So they have to do that. You're paying these people to, you're you're paying employees of of your company, you know, people making shirts and people taking phone calls. All of it, all of it. Yeah. And just, I mean, the show's bigger. I mean, I remember probably the first couple of times I saw them, I thought it was pretty amazing. They finally threw a strobe light into the mix, you know, yeah. I mean, it, was a pretty, <laughs> it was a pretty blank show, you know, and now they've sort of, uh, you know, they, they've got a pretty good light show going and they've, you know, I don't know. They if don't they just have, any... have candles on their amps. Right. Yeah. 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 Or the Batman thing, whatever that was. I never yeah. quite figured out what that was, but uh... <laughs> yeah, it's in anymore. I, I don't go see 50 shows a year at, $20 a pop. I'd rather spend more money and, and go see the the ones I really want to go see anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Just, it'd be really interesting to see how it shakes out the next couple of years for them. I hope, I hope things are on the up and up and they do get to tour. Um, scares me if all of a sudden things shut down again and they don't get to do it for a couple of years. Are they just going to, are they going to keep going or are they just going to go, you know, <laughs> I don't know about all this anymore. Um, let's hope that's not the case, but I, I, I think, 
last night they had a different spark in their eye mm-hmm. uh, than I'd seen in a while. And it's fun to see, you know, Stone, who's usually pretty straight faced and maybe even a little stiff when he plays. They started into State 11 Trust. And I mean, the, the grin went from ear to ear. He was like, all right, we're doing this again. This is cool. <laughs> you know, and um, it was fun to see that. And Mike was tearing it up. He, he killed it on even flow. <laughs> it was incredible. I think that's it with the song, right? We can uh, wrap it up. All right, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's a great song, and I'm glad we got to talk about it. I really, I really, I have always. This has always been kind of a a hidden gem for them, I mm-hmm. think. And it's a powerful tune. It's a really powerful tune. So uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, people know how you got into Pearl Jam, and they know what Pearl Jam means to you. But I think the question every everybody's mind now, since we know this much about you, is. Uh, how do you rank the Pearl Jam albums? Got to go from uh, least favorite to favorite. Oh, God. This one, we joked about this earlier. This will change from day <laughs> to day. And I'm going to make, I'm gonna make s- probably a, some people mad here. But and it has nothing to do with I me sort say... of springing this on you last minute. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I wasn't going to mention that, that you, you told yeah, me that three, uh, sorry. 30 seconds before we started. Sorry about that. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I would say if I went from least favorite to favorite. Now, okay, I won't overexplain. I'll, I'll say them and then I and then I'll kind of explain why on a couple of things. But I think probably not that there's not good songs on all these, but just as an album, like a full album. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say my least favorite is probably Backspacer, and a couple reasons. One, I think. Uh, the album felt very much to me like I think there are some some albums where it feels like the band wrote the song. And then there's other albums where the guys showed up and said, here's the song. Let's learn it. Mm-hmm. And they had their own ideas and they kind of already had it worked out. And I know I understand, man, they're in their 50s. I mean, it's not like they can yeah. all hang out in a van together for a week anymore and, you know, write music or on a bus or something like that. I, I get that. But I think the ones where they come together and they write more together sound more like Pearl Jam. I just felt like Backspacer was a lot of songs that, you know, could have been on their individual albums almost, you know, on their side projects and still worked. But and it was a really short album for I think we'd waited three years for that album, if I remember right at that time. Yeah, I think like five years, I think. Was it five years? Okay, And we got 39 minutes of music. And I don't know, just it, it didn't feel I, li- I liked a couple songs on it. I didn't. I didn't care for opening with uh, "Gonna See My Friends." It's just not one of my favorites, but that's okay. A lot of people like that. It just didn't. wasn't real solid to me. Probably my next one, "Lightning Bolt." Mm-hmm. It just. I think it's a good album. I was a little surprised, you know, just because in those early and middle years, how many extra songs they had like, that like that were great songs like dead man that landed on the lost dogs album that they actually wasn't sleep yeah sleeping with myself was on there which i kind of felt like ed had already kind of conquered that on his ukulele album and to bring that back in as a pearl jam song i sort of felt like (laughs) this is going to make a couple people mad but i sort of felt like they brought a a last kiss song in for this album and you know um Mm -hmm. i liked last kiss when i heard it the first 150 <laughs> times but you know i don't have to hear it at every show mm-hmm. it's not not my favorite to hear but i also know it's i think it's their biggest selling single they've ever had you know but i probably need to give lightning bolt a little more of a chance um my i'm gonna say my third least favorite 
at this time, and it's only because I pretty much shelved it at the beginning of the pandemic. I didn't want to remember this album as being the pandemic album, and it was Gigaton. And last night changed my mind on a few songs. Now, I, I, I need, you know, anytime I see any of these songs perform live, I feel like they are different. They just, mm-hmm. they feel different, you know? Um, you can feel the drums. You're not just listening to it on a set of headphones. And But I'm just not super familiar with it yet. And I kind of intentionally put it aside for now. I didn't want to, again, just, you know, I I look at all these other albums and I can remember exactly where I was when I heard them, you know, even 25, 30 years ago. And I didn't want to remember that being like when we're all sitting home from work depressed and and, uh, uh, all that, you know. So right now, that's kind of where that stands. I'd say next one would be, I'm going to throw Vitology in there. It's, It's a great album. I mean, and, and I do like the songs on it. I think it got a lot of flack when it first came out because it didn't sell like 10 and verses did. Mm-hmm. I I like it, but probably not my one of my top few favorite picks. Um, I'd say next would be Riot Act. You and I talked about Riot Act last time, and I did have a new appreciation for it. I really thought it was pretty low down on the list, and I was like, my God, there's a lot of really good songs on here. I just hadn't listened to it as a full album in a long time. After that, Binaural, and we're working our way up to the best here. So Binaural, Dark Album, I liked it. I thought it was a cool album. Um, I even felt like the recording wasn't as good as it had been, but it kind of gave it more of that garagey kind of feel. I, I, I liked it. Um, a little bit raw. They'd sort of pulled off of some of the, you know, the guitar effects and things that, you know, they used a lot of stuff like that in No Code. And mm-hmm. I felt like they kind of got into some more effect kind of stuff in, uh, in Yield. And and then when they went to Binaural, I felt like they sort of sort of brought it back, you know. And it, I guess that was the first album with Matt Cameron, too. So may, maybe it was a little bit of timing. They didn't have a lot of time to beef it up too much. But I really did like that album. Next would be No Code. Mm-hmm. I like the Jack albums. I really do. And we'll, 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 you'll see that here in a minute, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I get funny about this stuff. I didn't, I felt like no code was a really good album, but I also felt like the recording could have been a little better on some of the songs. It felt a little thick, maybe trying to get more of the, and I liked that, that Jeff kind of stepped it up and felt like he got a little more involved in the percussion side of things, probably because Jack was the new drummer and you know, when you, you know, you're going to be playing percussion with the guy that used to play for the Chili Peppers, you, you, you know, you got to step up your game and <laughs> uh, maybe uh, that might have been part of it. But great album um, right there in the middle. My next my my next uh, favorite towards the top of the list. I like the Avocado album a lot. Mm-hmm. I remember and I think a lot of it was because of the David Letterman thing they did. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the first what was that 2006. So live streaming wasn't, you know. And I'm not sure half of us had an internet fast enough to live stream stuff. And I remember watching that. I think they did it live after the Letterman show, if I remember right. And they played for what, maybe an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, played a lot of stuff off of Avocado and also, you know, did some did some classics, too. But I think seeing that right when that album came out gave me a whole different perspective on it. And I just thought they look like they're having fun again. They'd been through a couple of tough years, uh, a lot of craziness. And I just... Songs like uh, let's see, got let's see, got some was on right act. No, that was on right. No, got got some wasn't on right. Oh, that's save you. I'm thinking, save yeah, you. yeah, yeah. And I got I, some with uh, backspace. That was on backspace. <laughs> um, oh shoot, what's the uh, it was the opening song on the E Machine and Corny's uh, thing, Severed Hand. Yeah, 
I think Sever- I think Severed Hands one of the best songs they've ever done, mm-hmm. and I think it's really underrated. I was always really surprised that that did not hit the radio like hard. And um, but I I like that song, Parachutes by you know that's kind of a Stone Beatles kind of thing. Um, weird timing. There there's some there are some really good songs on that album. So now I'm up to number three out of my top three. I'm gonna go with ten as my number three. Mm-hmm. Now, that'll make a couple people mad, but <laughs> part of it's because I listened to 10 like nonstop for about a year and a half, you know, and I think I didn't wear myself out. I I appreciate it. God, as a debut album that was recorded in like 30 days. I mean, that's almost nuts. I mean, it was it was really, really good. And those guys had something happening right there at the beginning that, you know, a level of energy that I'll never understand. I mean, that's just to to throw something like that together and and. Um, I like the riffy stuff. I think that's when Stone still had a lot more control of the, you know, kind of, of course, a live even flow, um, the the more riff, riffy kind of songs. I, I like that. I kind of wish Stone would take the wheel a little more now and do some more stuff like that. But whatever. <laughs> it's, it's all good. <laughs> They're doing a good job. All right. Uh, second favorite verses. I, uh, I put it above 10 just in a sense for a couple of reasons. One. Who the heck sells a million records in one week? Yeah. You know, I mean, ever. And I know it's so, it's almost cliched at this point with the band, but it's, oh my God. I mean, right out of the shoot, go. And, um, and that's the first time I saw them live was in 93, was right when that album dropped. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, my trek to good old Wichita, Kansas. And we, uh, you know, I just remember them coming out. And I think the first three songs, it's like, go even flow an animal. And I'm just going, holy crap, man. <laughs> These guys are, they're, they're killing it. They are killing it. And yeah, Versus just start to finish is such a good album. And I think Ed had kind of found his voice a little bit. Mm-hmm. I listened back to 10 not too long ago. And this, you know, somebody probably want to punch me in the mouth for saying this, but Ed's <laughs> voice was still for Ed kind of high. You know, not not quite as many cigarettes at that point, maybe. So I felt like, and I'd kind of forgotten this because I've heard all those 10 songs live so many times now. He sort of had to reach down low to get to that low thing. So it made mm-hmm. it a little pitchy on some stuff, you know, like even like on release, I felt like there was some parts of that where it's like, man, I think he can sing that better now than he did then just because of where his voice is, you know? And it's that D chord we were talking about. You know, he does a lot in D, and I think it works really well for his voice. Um, he can now he can go low with it and sound right on, and he can go high with it, and sound right on. But I think versus he just kind of took it to a next. He took it to a different level and was just better. I mean, they toured. He got more comfortable with it, and there's just that that album start to finish. I don't think there's a bad song on it. It's really not my favorite album. I love Yield. Mm-hmm. I just I think. Again, I kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, I wish they would do probably the reason I wish we would see more studio stuff and things like that was because of single video theory. You know, they did they filmed them for three days on and off practicing on those songs. You know, Jack was new, uh, still kind of new. I mean, they'd done no code, but I always say I think Yield was the polished version of no code in a lot of ways. Because now they weren't just putting music out there going, man, I hope this works. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not sure we're doing something different here. But I think once No Code hit and they toured with that and realized that the response was good from the fans, they felt more comfortable with Jack and Jeff doing their thing. You know, of course, don't ever have to worry about Stone and Mike too much. And and Ed was writing really good. I mean, he kind of taken some of the personal stuff out of it. But he was all of a sudden, it felt like he could write from a three, a third party perspective, kind of like mm-hmm. the song Dead Man. 
I mean, he had to put him, you know, Ed's, Ed's never murdered anybody or had to spend, he might've done a couple of days in jail knowing Ed, but you know, he's, uh, he's uh, you know, never had to experience that. So how do you do that? You know, and how do you put yourself in their shoes? And I, I felt like yield was kind of uh, not as uh, personal as the first couple albums, maybe to Ed, but all of a sudden he could write a story really good and, and still make it jive well with music and everything. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was anything too over the top, but I just like, I like Yield from start to finish. I just think that that was in that tour, the 98 tour, I got to see them three times, once in, actually maybe four. It seems like I saw them in Kansas City, St. Louis, and New York both nights on September 10th and September 11th. And 98, and and just that whole, up to that point, having that library of songs, you know, we'll call it the halfway point or whatever. It was just such a good group of songs to choose from. I mean, it felt like every time they played, they were playing the greatest hit show to me. So just really, 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 really liked that album. And that was kind of the point where, so 98, they'd been together for what, eight years. You could just see the comfort of them being a band and, and it seemed like at the time they were enjoying it. I know they had some weird stuff happen next few years after that, but. Well, thanks for coming on and. Uh, you bet, man. Thanks for having me. You know, I love talking yeah. music. <laughs> oh yeah love, love love that's 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 why i started the podcast man i got <laughs> i got yeah. stuff to say and nobody to say it to so you know i gotta <laughs> all right man i'm here for now you, i have a reason that i need to talk to pearl jam fans so <laughs> all right cool well it's great being here and i appreciate you having me back anytime man the Better Band Podcast is produced by listenuprino.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenuprino at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P, B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can go to either ko-fi.com slash Brandon P or patreon.com slash Brandon P. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Ryan, and as always, this is Brandon saying... Na 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 leader Na 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 leader 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 Batman I mean leader